Well, good morning, everyone. I am dressed like Cameron today because for the second time in our relationship, Cameron and I are doing a couple's costume. And my, I am freezing because Bay doesn't know how to layer. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. If you don't recognize me or Cameron, it is because um, we are, uh, like I said, we, we are dressed as each other today. And if you are new enough to Zao that you haven't clocked our outfits, that's totally fine <laughs> and normal. Cameron is known for his justice-oriented graphic t-shirts, and I'm known for wearing the same outfit every day of my life. The first time we ever uh, did a couple's costume was when we are, were like fresh-faced, newly in love, and uh, we went as the ultimate couple, Zach Morris and A.C. Slater from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> and if you want to see evidence of that, just follow us on Instagram at ZowMKE. Also, though, uh, if you do go follow ZowMKE Church on Instagram, you can see pictures of our four-month-old daughter dressed up as Max from Where the Wild Things Are and that is considerably cuter. But uh, this series that we're in, Naked As We Came, is actually about Micah. Uh, Micah was born just a few weeks ago. Cameron and I both just got back from leave, and I've been going through some of the things that I've learned about life and about God and about love during the time that I got to spend with her on leave. A lot of the things that we've covered so far are based on how she is entirely perfect and we should all be like her because I am a parent and that is how parents feel. <laughs> but also because infants do actually arrive with a lot of the skills and characteristics that we lose as we grow up and then we spend a lot of our adulthood trying to get back and relearn those skills of trust and love and delight and surrender. But She's also very much my and Cameron's kid, and so she, she already has some of our more complicated qualities. Uh, is anybody here familiar with the Enneagram? All right, I'm seeing some nods, some hands. If you're not familiar, no worries. Uh, but the Enneagram is sort of a, it's a personality typing system um, that's actually deeply spiritual. And it talks about how we all tend to embody uh, certain patterns that actually in some ways reflect the characteristics of God, but also are limited because if we hang out in one set of characteristics, we can sometimes um, pull or, or push at others. Cameron and I are both Enneagram type eights. And most people who know anything about the Enneagram <laughs> Most people who know anything about the Enneagram, when they hear that, they go, oh, <laughs> how does that work? Because uh, within the Enneagram, type eights are really intense. Um, type eights tend to have like a very strong commitment to justice, and they come at the world with a, a really focused power analysis. So a lot of it is understanding instinctively and explicitly who has power over whom. Are they using that power to help or to hurt? Eights tend to be super intense and to make demands for justice in the world. You can see a lot of that reflected in Zhao as Cameron and I lead and we are relentlessly in the streets because that is part of who we are. It's part of who we believe God to be, committed to justice, engaging in that power analysis, fighting for those without power to have power and equity, uh, and to make sure that there is no harm done with imbalances of power. But eights also can bend in the wrong direction on this. We tend to like to be in control. 
We tend to be very weary of other people controlling us because if someone has power over us, they might hurt us. Enter our daughter, Micah. From the day she was born, she was super intense. She doesn't like to sleep. I've shared this before here, that, that when she starts to sleep, she wrenches her eyes back open. I think she has baby FOMO. She just doesn't want to miss anything. And sleeping is just, it's not acceptable. But it goes beyond that. When she is hungry, as soon as she realizes she's hungry, she gets furious. She will let you know. It sounds like we haven't fed her in days. She demands justice. She demands sustenance now. But the most telling is in the way that she actually holds her physical body. She's not a very snuggly baby. She'll snuggle for like literally one to two seconds before popping back up and kind of arching her back and looking about. Because again, not here for the snuggles, here for the action. And she'll kind of pull back. From day one, she, she tried to stand. She really loves it when you hold her and she'll kind of stand up. She wants to get in the fray. And at any given moment, all 10 of her fingers and all 10 of her toes are bald into tiny little fists. She seriously looks like she's ready to deck anybody who does something wrong. And sometimes we do do things that are wrong. I have learned that it is wrong to let her get hungry. It is wrong if I burp her. But most of all, it is wrong to ever have to put her arms into sleeves. <laughs> ever. That seems to be the chief violation of a just world, and she will fight you about it. But here's the problem. Sometimes she gets hungry. And if I don't burp her, she gets gassy, which hurts her. So I burp her. And it's October in Wisconsin, so she's got to put on clothes. No matter how many tiny little punches she throws, these things will not change. Cameron and I trust that this fight in her will actually serve her really well when it comes time for her to self-advocate. We anticipate being deeply proud and absolutely frustrated when she won't back down from what she thinks is right, even with us. Resistance, when it comes to evil and injustice, is wholly important work. But to live in a state of constant resistance is exhausting. It actually wears us down, makes us less powerful for the battles that we really need to choose. Because God does call us to fight injustice, and that resistance work is necessary, but it shouldn't be our every waking moment. The topic for today is surrender. And I've got to say, it's a hard one for me because I am just like Micah, as my parents could tell you. They're here. My first favorite word was myself, as in, I can do this myself. I would shout it and try and grab the spoon of whoever was feeding me. Myself. Don't try to control me, Dad. But I know from experience that living constantly at that level of undiscerning resistance is exhausting. One of the practices that has actually helped me tremendously is called mindful self-compassion. I have something here called the Mindful Self-Compassion Workbook, and I do highly recommend it. It's by a researcher named Kristen Neff. And in this, uh, along with a lot of other good practices and ways of being present to the world, fully alive, as Cameron mentioned, we like to be at Zao, 
she talks about resistance versus non-resistance. Non-resistance is accepting what is happening without being lost in judgments. And I think that that's a really helpful clarification for me, being lost in judgments. Because when I resist the world around me, I actually get taken out of the moment, taken out of what's happening. I get so fixated in needing to declare that what is happening is wrong or unpleasant or not what I would choose, that it actually gets me lost, takes me out. She provides evidence of experiencing resistance as being distracted, being physically tense, getting lost in worry or rumination, overworking, overeating, feeling angry or irritated, or numbing out. These are the ways that resistance shows up in our lives, takes us out of the moment, out of the present, out of connection with God, with ourselves and one another, by resisting the things that we cannot accept. An example she gives is, I think, a classic that probably many of us can relate to. It's late at night. You have a big day in the morning. You're trying to sleep, but you can't. Resisting is focusing on the fact that you can't sleep, stressing about the fact that you can't sleep, trying to will yourself, force yourself to sleep, which obviously makes you fall into a deep, peaceful sleep immediately. She actually names that, and, and I think this is a, like a real catchy little, you know, keep it in your back pocket phrase, and I don't usually love those, but I think this one is memorable and accurate. She says, what we resist persists. What we resist persists. We've talked about this before, that emotions in particular need to be traveled through. And when we hold them at bay, they are still there with us. We are on a journey through this world, and when we try and resist things, instead of moving through them, we actually carry them with us at barely an arm's length. Resistance holds things at bay short-term, but not long-term. It will come with you. We resist difficult feelings, most of all. And research shows that when we try and suppress our unwanted thoughts or feelings, they actually grow stronger. We need to heal through the things that harm us. But if we can't feel them, if we can't attend to them, if we can't look them in the eye, we will never be able to move through them, to heal them, and to move on. And so this combination of mindfulness and self-compassion is an interesting one to me. Mindfulness is the showing up. It's accepting your experience. It asks, what is happening right now? It is about feeling your life, including your suffering, with spacious awareness, Neff says. Self-compassion is about accepting the experiencer along with the experience. Asking, what do I need right now? And being kind to yourself, no matter what is happening, including your suffering. All of these things move us towards non-resistance. Each one of these practices, showing up, accepting the world as it is, accepting yourself as you are and as you react to the world instead of trying to control your sleep or your anxiety or your frustration, but facing it and holding it and holding space for it, that slowly allows our balled up little fists to release, to let us approach the world with open hands and receive what is there. 
this acceptance, this non-resistance is critical even in a fight, even in the fight for justice. Because when we need to change something, we need to accept and acknowledge first that it is happening. Because one of the most common forms of unhelpful resistance is denial. And so in order to resist evil in the world, we have to face it, we have to see it, we have to accept it. But none of this work is the same exactly as surrender. This is groundwork for surrender. Surrender is something different. Because while we need an attitude of non-resistance for the realities of life, we need an attitude of surrender when it comes to our loving relationships. Non-resistance says, I am not in control, and that is okay. Surrender says, I choose to give up control, and that is okay. Micah is running my life. Micah, my child, is in charge of me. I often, often say she's the boss of me. Because at night when she cries, I jump up. When she is hungry, I feed her. When I am hungry, I feed her. She controls my life. I made a choice to center my life around her and her needs. I chose to give up a lot of control in my life for the sake of my relationship with her. And that is not only okay, it is holy. It is blessed. It is love. God does this too with us. Last week we were talking about suffering. We talked about God's limitations of power, that God is constrained by the terms of our relationship. God won't violate our consent to control us like puppets. God gave us agency so we could be in relationship. God chose to give up some control to us, and that's okay. God surrenders to us in love. Because some amount of surrender is fundamental to relationship. God surrenders to us by allowing us to impact her and her creation. God surrenders to creation by allowing the flow of change and movement and choice without trying to control it. And we, as God's creation, are invited to reciprocate that relationship. We can surrender to God by allowing God to impact us. We can surrender to creation by allowing the flow of change and movement and choices around us without trying to control it. Non-resistance helps us live. Surrender helps us love. We surrender to the holy, to the trustworthy. Surrender as a part of loving relationship is necessary for thriving, for healing. I know this really intimately right now because I am still trying to heal from birth. There was a moment in Micah's birth that was pretty scary. And my body reacted with that fight, flight, or freeze. It chose to freeze. In the weeks after Micah's birth, I found out that my pelvic bones, which opened to let Micah pass through, stayed open. They were stuck in that moment out of terror. That stuckness is resistance. My body was resisting a moment that I thought could kill me. My body was holding on instead of moving through. My body would not surrender. I was stuck. I went to physical therapy, and my physical therapist tried to just sort of shove them back together. Guess what they did? They popped right back. 
I went to another uh, body worker, a cranial sacral therapist, and she worked to ease them back together. She asked my permission to touch my body. She went very slowly and started to ease it back together. I was able to not resist her, and it went a little better. And then she invited Cameron in. She asked Cameron, who I love, to place his hands on my bones and to ease them back together. And in that moment, I felt not just non-resistance, but surrender. And surrendering to that loving touch helped to heal me. Cameron in that moment was helping to guide and invite my body, not force me, not coerce me, but invite me to surrender into healing and love and connection. And this is how God approaches us, how God heals us, how God invites us into a new kind of life. We call it the Holy Spirit, and Scripture tells us she blows where she wills. The Scripture we read today talks about the waters, the rivers that flow through the wilderness, the water in the desert. And water is often an image we have for the Holy Spirit at work in the world, making a way where there is no way. God invites us into that river, into that stream. And I want you to imagine that river, the river of God's invitation towards love, the river of God's path for us in life, the invitation that we are not forced on, but that we are invited into. Now we can, like the salmon, swim upstream, but that is exhausting. We can, as a form of denial, just stand in the stream, pretending nothing is moving or changing around us. We will be swept away eventually by the current as the world changes and moves despite our denial. Because creation will not stall just because we can't go along with it. Even rocks over time come along with the flow of the kingdom. Slowly, gently, particle by particle. Non-resistance is allowing yourself to float. Moving with the flow of creation, inviting the current of the Holy Spirit to take you where you need to go. Surrender is swimming with that current. Feeling the force and movement of the Holy Spirit bringing you into healing, bringing you into love. And joining with her with the strokes of your body, moving, swimming, pulsing with the current of life towards healing and wholeness, towards the kingdom we were promised. This can feel terrifying. Movement and change is hard. And this is why the scriptures assure us and they tell us, do not be afraid. The waters will not overwhelm you. And I think that is our fear, that we will drown. Surely we will drown. This change is too much. This movement is too intense. Where is God taking me? But when we surrender in loving relationship, we know that we will not be consumed by the waters. When we walk through the flames, we will not be burned. God is there with us. That touch is loving. That invitation is holy. And we have the right to say no. We have the right to resist but we also have the invitation to join with, to lay down the burdens that we have, to put ourselves in the hands of God and of creation, and to flow with that river into freedom.
Will you pray with me? Good and holy God, help us to surrender to your love. God, you gave us discerning hearts and minds. We know the things that harm us. Help us to have that kind of wisdom, to not resist them, to accept that they are happening, and to fight back. And God, help us with your discerning spirits you gave us to recognize love, to recognize hope and healing, to recognize when surrender is holy and good and trustworthy. God, sweep us away in your love and make us whole. Amen.